There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's up, everybody? This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of Vice. It's Wednesday, April 25th, and I'm Chris Hardy. Today we're talking about hallucinating, though not like psychedelic hallucinating, but that weird time between when you're awake and when you're asleep, when weird shit starts to happen. Turns out, some of the most creative minds in history have coveted this special state of consciousness and tried to achieve it. I don't know about you guys, but I am a huge fan of dreams and dream science and dream states, also ghosts, but we're talking about dreams today. Anyway, so every night all of us pass through this sort of half-wakeful state. It's kind of the borderland between when we're awake and when we're asleep. And for me, what usually happens is like I'll be drifting off and like I might get some weird hallucinations or like you get that falling feeling and then you're suddenly awake again. That's the state that we're talking about. The science behind this half-wakeful period is actually pretty interesting. We usually pass through it in about a couple minutes on our way to deep sleep, but while we're there, we can experience what are called micro-dreams, and we don't usually remember them when we wake up. Until now. Today we've got Motherboard's Dan Oberhaus, and he's going to tell us about an MIT master's student who wants us to remember these micro-dreams. His name's Adam Horowitz, and he explains that being able to access this unconscious state has the potential to unlock higher levels of creativity. So here's Vice's executive editor, Dory Carr-Harris, with Daniel on the story. So we're here today to talk about sleep and dreaming and creativity. You guys wrote an article recently about a researcher uh, at MIT Media Lab named Adam Horowitz, who, along with his team, developed a device called Dormio. What is Dormio? I think the simplest way to describe Dormio is a small device you'd wear on your hand that allows you to interface with your dreams, specifically the dreams that you have right when you fall asleep. Interesting. And so the theory behind that is that in that sort of liminal space between wakefulness and deep sleep or REM sleep, there's sort of a period where you're more creative or interesting things happen. What's that period called? And and tell us a little bit about it. So the technical name for it is hypnagogia, and it's something that actually everyone experiences every night, but most people don't remember it because it happens between when you're awake and falling asleep. But you may have had experiences with it before if you've ever had the experience of suddenly falling or something when you're falling asleep, or if you have been woken up by a significant other who's laying with you in bed and say something just totally out of the blue to them. These are characteristic of hypnagogia, which is kind of defined by abstract hallucinations or you know phrases that you can't really account for where they came from popping into your head and so the idea behind dormio is to give you access to this kind of weird mental state that you go through every night and then to wake you up from that mental state so you can actually engage with the things that your brain experienced so it's not like 
lucid dreaming. It's slightly different. Yeah, it's actually, from what I understand, quite a bit easier than lucid dreaming. I think lucid dreaming, you actually have to train yourself a lot and do all these dream journals and stuff like that. Whereas this, it's mostly just a matter of making sure there's something to wake you up. So I think one of the interesting things about Dormio is that it's actually a kind of 21st century technique on a centuries-old idea. Um, A lot of famous thinkers throughout history would try to tap into this mental space by doing things like holding a ball and when they would start to fall asleep their hand would relax and they'd drop the ball and that would wake them up and so then they would have access to that kind of micro dream that would occur in that brief moment between when they were awake and then when they dropped the ball. That was Thomas Edison right with his steel ball trick and it seems like the first iteration of Dormio was sort of tapping into that same thought process. You described it as a glove with a sort of sensor Uh, How does that work? Yeah, so the first version had a a glove with a small Arduino microprocessor attached to the top and a sensor that was attached to the user's palm. And so they would fall asleep with their fist in a ball. So it was pressing on the sensor in their palm. And as they would fall asleep, they would start to relax. The computer would notice that they weren't putting pressure on the sensor anymore. And then that would trigger a small robot next to them called a Jibo to trigger them and say hey, you're falling asleep right now, remember to think about X. And this would either be remember to think about a fork or remember to think about a rabbit. And so as they were falling asleep, the idea is that they would start to dream about these things. And as it turns out, they did. So it was kind of a way for them to interface with and manipulate the micro dreams they were having during that time. Fascinating. And so how have they improved the Dormio since that first iteration? So they've replaced the sensor in your palm with a flexion sensor and what that does is basically give a more granular view of how your muscles are relaxing so whereas the sensor in your palm was just an on or off thing you were either pressing it or you weren't this new sensor shows you gradually falling asleep which makes it easier to kind of trigger the robot right as you're falling asleep when i was speaking to adam he said the next version is actually going to probably do away with the glove completely and just look at the way your eyelids are moving as you're falling asleep and then trigger the robot based on yeah the way your eyelids are reacting. And so once the device has triggered the robot and it asked, you know, participants in the experiment these specific questions, how did they track the results? They would go through three iterations each time. So as they were falling asleep, the robot would kind of prime them to think about either a rabbit or a fork. And then as they were drifting deeper into sleep, the robot would be like, hey, you're falling asleep. And then it would wake them back up. They'd drift off again. They'd do it another time. And they'd go through this process three times. And when they finally woke up, Adam administered them a benchmark test for creativity, um, which would ask them to like write a short story about the experience they had while they were dreaming. And this test is kind of, it's, it's been around for decades, but it's a way for psychologists to measure uh, associative thinking, which is just kind of like, normally when you think about a fork, you might be only thinking about a handful of things that are associated with it. Whereas creative thinking is measured by like how you associate a like, normal object like a fork with things that are just kind of wild and out there that you might see during a dream. And so what they found when they did this is that the associative thinking that's indicative of heightened creativity was significantly more than people who didn't do this. And so that was a kind of a strong suggestion to them that this technique really did result in heightened creativity for people who used it. Interesting. And so throughout history, there have been many famous proponents of this type of associative thinking or hypnagogia or whatever 
they wanted to call it and we call it now, in that the theory is that, you know, when your mind is in this more relaxed state between sleeping and wakefulness, you can make these associations, you are outside of the sort of like very linear world of wakefulness and logic, where only certain things can be related to other things. Nabokov, we talked about Thomas Edison, also being a proponent of this. How have they been tracking whether or not this particular state does actually achieve this associative thinking? Yeah, so I I think what's interesting about it is that kind of until this experiment, there wasn't that much data on hypnagogia at all. It's kind of, it's still a mystery for neuroscience. And a lot of these people, like like you had mentioned, Thomas Edison, even Salvador Dali, he used to drop a key supposedly on a metal plate to induce the same effects. So these are all kind of apocryphal stories from history. Um, when you look at a Dali painting, you might be able to see how this might be influenced by something like this. But scientists really didn't have you know, much hard data about this state or how to access it until now, which I think is kind of the exciting thing about this is for the first time, there's a kind of a more rigorous method to access this rather than just dropping a ball and hoping it works. Have researchers been looking at or thinking about how this affects overall sleep and restfulness? Or is the point of this exercise not to eventually go into sleep, but to just use it as a technique for different kinds of thought, almost like a brainstorm or going for a run? Um, I talked with a researcher at uh, Cambridge who had done a bit of work on this prior to the MIT study, and he told me that there's really not that much uh, mental health risk or anything associated with doing this kind of access to hypnagogia. Obviously, you wouldn't want to do it all night or else you'll never sleep at all, which is something actually that the researcher Adam had told me that um, when he was testing it on himself, he kind of got addicted to this and really liked doing it and was losing sleep just because he loved you know, trying to see what would happen when he would put this thing on and uh, let it do its thing. But as far as disrupting sleep or any negative effects, you, you know, they still need to be investigated. But from what we know about neuroscience and this sort of thing, it doesn't seem to really have that many downsides. Interesting. And are there any detractors right now to this sort of method of accessing thought? Not that I know of. I mean, I mean once the article came out, there was definitely the kind of a lot of commentators on the internet who were looking at it as like, oh, you know, how are they going to use this in the future to control our dreams? And I think there was a Futurama episode where like they uh, were talking about how they started putting ads inside of people's dreams. And so there's a lot of kind of this, you know, snark going around. But so far, it's I think it's, it's, it's such a new field that no one really knows what's going to happen next with it. And in terms of what Adam and his team are thinking could be the sort of future uses or future versions of this technology, where's he at? Uh, I mean, he is really interested in altered states of consciousness, such that you might find when you meditate or something similar. So for him, I think he was looking at this as potentially a good way to explore mental health issues such as post-traumatic stress disorder. This might be something that allows people to work through traumatic experiences in a controlled way. But I mean, again, at this point, it's, you know, this is a master's student working on a totally new technology. So I think all options are on the table in terms of use cases, and that's something they're still looking to explore. Well, it'll be exciting to follow along and see where they end up. Definitely. To read Daniel's full article, go to motherboard.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. And tune in again on Friday for another Vice Guide to Right Now.